0: Hello and welcome to the Friday, May 27th, 2022 Memorial Day weekend edition of On Iowa Politics. This week, sign a die, more gubernatorial endorsements, and another day, another school shooting. Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette, and with me today are Sarah Watson of the Quad City Times. Uh, Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. Jared McNett of the Sioux City Journal. Good morning, Jared.
1: Good morning, James. I'm just an average nobody, living the rest of my life like a schnook. (laughs)
0: dream big dream big aaron murphy statehouse bureau chief for the gazette good morning
2: aaron good morning james happy obi-wan kenobi day everybody
0: (laughs) and gazette opinion editor todd dorman good morning todd
3: good morning
0: any special day or anything no (laughs)
3: No, I I forgot all about Obi Wan Kenobi. That's thanks for reminding me. I'm here to (laughs) serve.
0: First up today, sine die. Once again, the Iowa Legislature wrapped up its business in the dark of night at about twelve sixteen a.m. Wednesday. uh, Lawmakers adjourned sine die. Let me digress for a moment. Sine die means adjourning with no appointed date for resumption. But we know the date the legislature will be back. Will resume. The second Monday of January, January 9th, 2023. And I know Aaron can hardly wait.
3: <laughs> I already started the countdown clock. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't it be better if they did a resolution for Carpe Diem instead of Sine Die? You know?
0: I, yeah, I like that. Huh.
3: Yeah, so you can you know, you seize the day after you get out of the Capitol, for God's sakes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have a feeling some of them didn't seize much of anything after they got out of their Wednesday morning, they probably just slept through it, whatever it was.
3: Well, there, there are plenty of people trying to seize their seats, so maybe... That, That's true. I don't know what that is in Latin, so you have to guess.
0: Carpe Arsum. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: whatever. Anyway, unlike the, this podcast so far, Adjournment 2022 lacked a drama of the end of recent sessions. No backroom negotiations on the largest tax cut in history. No scrambling to get 51 votes on abortion restrictions. No all-night attempts to fix the bottle bill. Aaron, the rumor mill must have been pretty dull uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning.
2: Yeah, it was a weird final day. I mean, you put it well there. Usually there's some big really really big bill out there that's still getting negotiated and will it won't it or what will it look like and the closest thing we had to that this year was a bill on pharmacy benefits managers which don't get me wrong is an important issue and has to do with prescription drug costs um and and an issue with which quite frankly i'm still trying to wrap my head around which is why i haven't filed anything on it yet uh stay tuned folks i'll get there but that just doesn't quite have the punch or the cachet of a, of, a like you said, a big abortion bill or a big tax cut bill. So, you know, that said, it still took them until after midnight to get done. So uh, waste no opportunity to draw things out no matter what you're drawing it out for.
0: And, and the standings bill was one of the last bills they did. And the, the standings bill is this everything and the kitchen sink bill that includes <laughs> funding for this, that and policy and, and all sorts of things. And typically that's a long Debate because there's something for everybody to hate in it. Right. And, and that was the shortest standing bill debate that I can recall. It, it just struck me that people had just like run out of gas. They, they yeah. weren't interested in talking about any of these things that normally, and especially the minority party, would right. get up and, you know, everybody has to get up and, and talk about how bad it is. But it just, right. it, it was like they were like, eh, it's over. Yeah. It's done. Let's get out of
2: here. And, and I think what that bill, was this year was the vouchers bill and that bill's fate was already settled so there wasn't the drama up until right. the last second of session that would have been the bill that would have created the usual drama that we're used to. sure but they called time of death on that earlier in the week so we already knew that wasn't happening they were done trying to negotiate that one and that had sucked up so much of the oxygen in the room it was literally the the reason they shut down essentially for three weeks so when they actually came back to finish up, there, there wasn't a whole lot of drama left to, to what they were actually doing.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we've talked about this, that the, they took this uh, intermission uh, and the governor was trying to uh, convince people to support her vouchers light bill. But when they came back, really, there was nothing they couldn't have done uh, in right. April. Um, I mean, they, their work was essentially completed in April um, and and they could have adjourned on time, but hey, we got, you know, what, like four podcast discussions out of, uh, (laughs) out of this. So, you know, take what you can get. Yeah.
2: Uh, Stories that got some good click counts. So who are we to complain, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, Aaron, what, what were the highlights of this session?
0: Other, other than the fact that the governor didn't get her way on the. On
2: yeah. The I mean, that's one of the big ones. And, and let me uh, caveat here that, that when I say highlight, I'm not talking about, you know, whether it was good or bad is in the eye of the beholder, but if you're talking about what the session's going to be most remembered for uh, in that sense of the term highlight, then uh, yeah, obviously the, the, the second straight year of the of the voucher bill, not making it it's the big one, but, but the other big one is honestly the tax cut bill. I mean, Anything that's going to provide that much tax relief slash lower state revenues by almost $2 billion in in a single year when it's fully implemented. I mean, that's a huge deal and the impact of which we won't know. For three, four, five years, really, because it, it phases in gradually, and that number grows each year. So it's going to be, you know, twenty twenty six before we're really seeing the full effects of that one. But it's a significant thing that they did. And then the other one, and, and you talk about something that everyone will be able to notice and and be affected by, is the E fifteen mandate that now essentially all Iowa gas stations, although there there are openings for exemptions, but in effect, all Iowa gas stations will be required to make e15 available now most gas stations just have e10 right now e15 obviously a little higher ethanol blend a little cheaper and so that will be something that you'll start noticing at the pumps over over the next few years the seeing that more and more available so I think those are the biggest ones and then and then maybe the most I don't know if controversial is the right word, or certainly the one that drew a lot of passion on both sides is the the transgender bill, banning transgender girls from playing in girls' sports. That was a big one. Um and then the last one I'll I'll just add going back to education again, the, the vouchers bill didn't happen. And then along with that, they didn't do anything on school quote-unquote school transparency so we came into this session with talk about jailing teachers and uh they didn't do anything on it at all i mean literally um didn't even like do something not quite that extreme um so that was kind of interesting to me and we talked about it with jack Whitfer again on on iowa press uh shameless plug watch that this weekend <laughs> and, and and the question i asked him as a follow-up was like it you know just for me personally it was it was surprising because this was such a huge issue for some Senate Republicans and such a, a big deal to the war were literally threatening to jail teachers among some of them. Um, and you didn't pass anything at all. He, his answer was essentially that it was paired with the voucher bill. So once the voucher bill didn't happen, that didn't happen either, which I don't know. Take that for what it's worth.
0: When you talked about a bill that uh, really generated a lot of passion, I thought you were going to say the bottle bill.
2: <laughs> How could I forget the bottle bill? How could I forget the bottle bill? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. Todd, uh, um, while majority Republicans like to talk about another history-making tax cut um, and being fiscally responsible with the budget and protecting parents' rights and so on, th- there was another side to this session, it seems like. they, As Aaron mentioned, banning transgender girls from participating in, in girls' sports, cutting unemployment benefits, little new funding for schools, community colleges, and the regions universities, kicking rangers out of their state park housing. <laughs> Uh, was it 22 session about lifting all Iwans boats, or, or was it a mean spirited session?
3: Yeah, I would I would say it was mean spirited. I mean, I in the Republican Party of its current vintage has a a fairly broad mean streak on some of these issues. Uh, and you know, and it wasn't just you know what they passed; it was also sort of the the rhetoric they used. I mean, they they argued that allowing transgender girls to participate in sports would would destroy girls' sports, and and the unemployed people are lazily resting in a hammock, and so we can't we can't allow that, and uh, you know, and, and of course all of the rhetoric heaped on public schools about X-rated books and obscene books and and indoctrination and and grooming pedof- for pedophilia and all of these things that were aimed at public education. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen a session where there was so much. Vitriol aimed at public schools, which you know used to be sort of a bipartisan point of pride, and and not that long ago. So, yeah, it was you know the sinister agenda speech was on the first day of the session. So from there, and you know we had the double bird down in the rotunda, Bobby Kaufman, and we, I mean, there was just all sorts of just kind of vindictive, you know, acerbic rhetoric and actions that sort of. Uh, you know, d- darkened the image of the session, and and the and the policy, you know, isn't good either. So, yeah, it, it was a mean-spirited session. I, I agree.
0: It seems like we see some divisions within the Republican Party. Jack Whitford never I don't think I ever heard him really embrace the whole sinister agenda. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't hear that from Pat Grassley, and, and, uh, but there, there is this sector of the Republican Party that really used that rhetoric, talked about the need for transparency, and talked about, you know the, whether they called it the sinister agenda or not. basically, you know, we're pushing that rhetoric. And I don't know how that's going to play out in the future. I mean, right now, sort of the people in control uh, at the legislature seem to be more the traditional, you know, small government tax cuts, uh, that sort of thing, Republican Party. But there certainly are a number of folks there that seem to be interested in maybe, for lack of a better term, the MAGA agenda. And, Todd, the the governor seems to be sort of embracing that with her endorsements and and everything. So I guess we'll see how that plays out.
3: Yeah, she's going to, you know, run for re-election on a platform of basically criticizing public schools, which we haven't seen that before.
0: No, and I mean, that's a real, like you said, it's, it's been bipartisan in the past. I mean, you go back farther than any of us can remember. <laughs> uh, and, and there's always been support from Republicans and Democrats for, for public schools and universities uh, and community colleges that, um, that doesn't seem to be there today, uh, at least uh, at, at the same funding level. Uh, and the same level of rhetoric as we've heard in the past. But um, I wonder how this session is playing out in, you know, uh, the rest of the state outside the Capitol. And, and Jared, uh, it's only been a few days since the uh, session adjourned, but I'm wondering if what, if anything, you're hearing from your area legislators, what they're bragging about or what they're, uh, you know, saying, uh, shame, we didn't get done.
1: Well, um, just in the... Um... The responses that I've gotten from uh, some of the like legislator Q and A's I'm putting together for the, the primaries that are coming up, uh, the folks on the Republican side are really touting um, what they, you know, say is income tax relief and lowering state rates to that 3.9% tax rate. Um, that's what uh, State Senator Dave Rowley, who's in his first term and won a special election last year. He really touted that when I was uh, emailing back and forth with him. And um, Skyler Wheeler mentioned uh, taxes, too, but he went a step further uh, than Dave Raleigh and said one of his primary issues now is eliminating the income tax uh, altogether. Uh, So taxes really does seem to be a big one kind of stepping away uh, from the session at this point. And then I know on the Democratic side within the past week or so, uh, Steve Hansen and Jackie Smith, you know, who are both from the Sioux City area, have been posting and talking uh, quite a lot about uh, education and education bills and all kinds of different, you know, school stuff that we've seen uh, popping up throughout the uh, session. So I guess the uh, the big one to point to for Republicans looks like the tax stuff, and for Democrats, it's public schools.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and Sarah, I guess the same question to you. I mean, are you hearing anything from your local legislators of you know what their take on the session is? You know, good, bad, or indifferent.
4: Yeah, not a whole lot, but there aren't a ton of incumbent primaries in the Quad Cities area. So, um, uh, but, um, talking with uh, Ross Poston is running for County Board of Supervisors. So in talking with him, he really touted the, um, tax cuts, the surplus that, uh, Um, the state had at the beginning of the year. Um, he's obviously very against the, um, the, um, private school education savings accounts. So he was, uh, happy that that didn't get passed. And then just in like past legislative coffees, the Democrats and the quad cities are, uh, were not obviously happy with the educational savings accounts. So, um, I'm sure that they are relieved that that did not pass the, the legislature. So that's, Very similar. I think Republicans are really hanging their hats on these tax cuts. And I haven't really heard too much really about the like transgender girls ban from playing in girls sports, other than there's one primary Republican candidate who is really, really strongly supporting that, but he's not an incumbent legislator. so. Mm -hmm.
0: Sioux City and the Quad Cities are home to some of Iowa's 19 state licensed casinos, and most legislators from those communities voted to support a two-year moratorium on new casino licenses. Uh, Is anyone talking about that last-minute surprise, Uh, and were they worried about their casinos uh, and worried that the Racing and Gaming Commission was going to give Cedar Rapids a license?
4: Well, I could start off the State Senator Robbie Smith was the one who ran the amendment for that. So um, so I'm sure. And Rhythm City Casino in Davenport had a really gangbusters couple of years. Their revenue increased. I think I read it was their revenue increased. 64% 64% over the last three years. So even with the pandemic, and I just wrote a story about they gave out um, grants to nonprofits, you know, as Iowa law uh, prescribes. And so, and they gave out like triple the amount of grants that they had in previous years or they were expecting like before the pandemic started. So they've had a really good year this year, at least at Rhythm City Casino in Davenport. And I'm sure that they probably don't want to oversaturate the market.
0: Mm-hmm. Jared, are you hearing anything from your folks over there about the I, I know Steve Hansen was one of the people who said he didn't really think it was a, a good idea um that this for the state. It might it might be good for Sioux City casinos, but he seemed to think that the state probably needed more casinos to offset the losses from Nebraska casinos.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, if you're gonna be uh, losing some uh, tax revenue, you may as well make some of that up by uh, building some more casinos throughout the state, right? That's an easy way to to make up that uh, difference. So, put a put a casino everywhere. Put a casino in you know uh, Manly, Iowa. Put one in Oskaloosa. Put one in uh, uh, where else? We got uh, Ackley. I'm just bouncing all over the place. But casino you know, – yeah, there. Oh, infertile. how did I not? How did I miss Fertile? I used to like cover uh, stuff in Fertile. So yeah, put one in Fertile as well. Absolutely. Manly yep.
3: man marries fertile woman was the, yes was yes. the old headline that in the Globe Gazette I think or one of those papers. Yep. <laughs> well, you know, Steve Hanson's remarks might have stemmed from the fact that I think the Sioux City casino is owned by Peninsula Pacific, which is the the group that's trying to build one in uh, Cedar Rapids. Right. So right may have been, you know, supporting his local casino chain
0: maybe maybe we should just go back to touch play and, and, and put the machines why not in, in convenience stores and grocery stores and everywhere else you know well, we can I mean, already we,
3: sports you know bet sports on our phone whenever we want yeah i mean who needs
0: casinos uh, <laughs> 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 we we've spent a lot of time talking about the tax cuts and I, i'm just wondering since you know journalists are part of the elite uh everyone have plans on how they're going to spend their big tax cut savings you know i mean huh?
2: I'm finally going to be able to put an addition onto the house to store my yacht. Okay. So that's, I'm, that's exciting.
3: I'm putting in a pool. <laughs> table. Pool table. It's, it's, good. it's going to replace the, uh, current, our current above-ground pool that's in the shed right now. That I affectionately call our white trash water bag. <laughs> it looks awesome.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Aaron, uh, legislators left the state house to hit the campaign trail, and some of them have primary contests in a couple of weeks. Um, what are the political implications of this session? Did anyone raise their profile, increase their political capital? Um, were there winners and losers in that sense?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, the biggest one, the most obvious and clear one is, is again, as is everything does, comes back to the, the vouchers bill. Um, and um, some of the House Republicans who were opposed to that are not only facing primary challenges, uh, but the governor has endorsed some of those candidates in, in two races in particular um, with, against incumbents, uh, Dennis Bush up in Jared's neck of the woods and uh, John Thorpe in, in Knoxville. So, so that's the biggest one. Outside of that, I don't know that anybody, you know, really stood out uh, in a way that you know what they did this session will matter. I, I think, uh, like I said, the vouchers one was a big one, and then the, again, in in the Republicans, there's some maybe some votes or statements on abortion that that may provide some dividing lines in a couple of primaries there.
0: Todd, the, the the governor um, didn't get what she wanted in terms of the educational savings accounts. Um, she had a compromise on her ethanol non mandate mandate. Is she in a better position today than she was in January? Does she look more vice presidential?
3: Well, yeah, I guess within the Republican Party that would that would be true. I mean, she she checked off some of the red state boxes as she you know she it was last year when she was on Laura Ingram's program and promised to ban. Girls from transgender girls from participating in sports, and she she checked that box, and 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 also shortening unemployment is sort of a it's kind of a darling of the Republican think tanks and bill mills that it's you know people are lazy and taking advantage of public assistance and we need to get them back to work and and all of that stuff. So in that way, within the Republican Party, I think she's you know still a red state trailblazer in good standing. Uh, But you know back at home. Running for governor, like I said, she's not going to be able to, I mean, she's the face of this, of the voucher bill and, you know, and, and which has been argued for using some pretty tough rhetoric against public schools. And I think she's going to have to basically embrace that. And then, as I said, we've never seen a governor, you know, run against public schools like that. So, and I know it's you know in in my area, the Lynmarwr School District, where she came and had a closed door meeting with parents who were upset about the transgender policies in the district uh I mean that that's that's hit a lot of people the wrong way, even people who probably would have supported her. Otherwise, you know, not only because of what her policy position she's taking, but the fact that she basically came here, had a meeting with a select group of people and, and politicians, and and closed everybody else out, and didn't, you know, get, gain input from anyone in the in the school district, you know, community or teachers or transgender kids. You know, wouldn't that be a, something to actually talk to them? Uh, but so it, I think I think that has the potential to hurt her, and I've, as I've said before every time she sort of latches onto these very sort of divisive issues, uh, she cuts her margins. I mean, she's, her chance of getting some sort of middle of the road voters becomes more difficult the more she sort of clings to her base. And so, you know, if they had just done the tax cut and not some of this other stuff, she'd probably be, you know, approaching a a pretty hefty election victory. But I think she's, I think she's cut down her margins and she's going to, you know make people think twice and then maybe consider Deidre Desieur instead of instead of Reynolds
0: as we've talked about the governor has weighed in with more endorsements in the GOP primaries uh supporting candidates who support her vouchers light plan uh she endorsed Uh, Representative John Thorpe's primary challenger, and now she's weighed in in a race in northwest Iowa where the Republican challenger is on her side, and in a race where two incumbent Republicans have been thrown together, she's backing the one who uh, supports her uh, education savings plan. And apparently GOP legislative leaders are okay with that. Uh, Pat Grassley was asked about it this week, and he said, that is the governor's choice to do that. Um, he said, what matters is that Republicans are united in November. And uh, so I guess that when you have a 60, 40 majority, um, you know, uh, you can sacrifice some incumbents, uh, <laughs> along the way.
1: Well, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I should mention that, uh, before Reynolds actually weighed in on the race, uh, with, uh, Dennis Bush from Cherokee, who's being challenged by, uh, two people actually, Zachary Deacon, who Reynolds endorsed, and then Thomas, uh, Kuiper, uh, Bush actually responded to my Q&As that I was sending out by saying that one of his top two issues now is supporting education in our local public schools. So that's about as uh, stark of a contrast as you can get to you know what a big ticket item is for Reynolds right now. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and, yeah. I was, you know, the, and the friends of Kim are active. Uh, I was looking through the campaign finance stuff this week, and among the independent expenditures, there's three groups. It's the American Federation for Children, which is a school choice group, the family leader in Americans for Prosperity. I mean, this month alone, they've dumped more than two hundred twenty thousand dollars into house can- into mostly into house campaigns, and a lot of it into those those primaries. Uh, Deacon Zach Deacon, who you just mentioned, he's got he's received like forty seven thousand dollars, I think, in in help overall well, and, from various groups
1: and way back in like January, he was one of the first two people that uh, Americans for prosperity yep. in Iowa actually endorsed. It was him. And um, I'm blanking on who the other one was, but yeah, he was one of the first two It's just a challenger that nobody really was that aware of at the time. Yep.
0: Yeah. And they're backing Steve Bradley in a, a race over in this part of the state where two incumbents have been put together in a, in a district, Uh Lee Hine, uh, who's, been there several years, and, and Bradley, who's a freshman, but uh American Prosperity is backing um, Bradley in that race. <clears throat> in an unintended irony, the Iowa House, on a bipartisan vote, approved legislation making it legal to hunt deer with AR-15s Tuesday as a gunman armed with an assault-style rifle shot and killed 19 students and two teachers at a school in Texas in a Texas town about the size of Clive or Indianola. As we would expect, our political representatives and those who want to be in office had words to say about the shooting. For the record, they were outraged and saddened and said something must be done. Jared, uh, you talked to uh, Mike Franken, who's running for the Democratic U.S. Senate nomination. Um, what was his take on this?
1: Well, he, he had a couple of different things that he really kind of, um, spotlighted. One of them, of course, you know, being, uh, a former Admiral, he mentioned the fact that, um, a lot of the weapons that we see over and over again in these, uh, school shootings are ones that he would have been totally comfortable having while he was in, you know, the theater of war, uh, in the Middle East. Um, so that was one thing he talked about. And then another thing that he kind of mentioned in his response is the, um, The gap there is kind of between how much the the firearms industry generates in the U.S. and how much political influence it has. It's about like a $70 billion industry, give or take, which is in line with the sneaker industry in America. But obviously, we don't talk about the sneaker industry in politics uh, as much as we talk about, you know, the firearms industry um, as it relates to politics and kind of spinning out from that, you know, he mentioned, too, that. Joni Ernst has received about like three million plus dollars from the NRA. Um, and then the only senators that have received more than that are like Marco Rubio, Cory Gardner, Tom Tillis, Roy Blunt, a couple others. Um, so, so he really, you know, spotlighted that too, the, the money that's coming into to some of the politicians who um, when these shootings happen kind of demure from talking about guns and wanting to focus instead on um, this time, you know, school safety or whatever else. And then, The other thing that Franken really kind of hit home to, and this might be one that in particular you could maybe win some people over on that, you know, are maybe a little more middle of the road or even, you know, um, on the right side of the aisle. He was just kind of asking, you know, why it is that people who don't own firearms end up having to pay so much monetarily and otherwise because of the pervasiveness of, you know, firearms. And our culture. And, and that's a question, you know, that if you pose to enough people, you maybe get them thinking about that. And that's something you could build on. So he, he really kind of talked about it from a number of uh, different angles when I talked to him on, uh, on Wednesday.
0: This year, Iowa lawmakers' discussions about school safety had more to do with dirty books than duck and cover drills, but uh, Todd, uh, should we expect the legislature to come back next year with plans to harden schools, you know, the one-door plan, or or will they treat this like masks and prohibit local schools from taking steps to protect students and school personnel?
3: Well, I, I don't think they'll do anything. I mean, one thing that might happen is they may argue that, you know, public schools aren't safe and this is another reason why they should you should pass vouchers i could see that as more and the the yeah the the federalist had an article this week arguing that you know because of these school shootings you should maybe consider homeschooling that would be which uh, was
1: also a similar article like that they ran in uh, 2012 after uh, Newtown yeah. as well and uh, people pointed out that the shooter in uh, Newtown was also homeschooled so you know maybe <laughs> yeah, it's- homeschooling
3: We've, we've heard a lot of uh, pretty poor plans for how to respond to this this week from the right. So, but yeah, I don't, I wouldn't anticipate the legislature will do anything. I mean, for one thing, hardening schools would mean giving more money to p- public schools. And we already know that they're not always keen on doing that. <laughs>
0: Well, we'll leave it there. That's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. If you enjoy the podcast, tell your friends and subscribe to us wherever you find your podcast. Fan mail may be sent to podcast at thegazette.com. Stay up to date on the Iowa legislature. Uh, You know, I guess we'll have a few more stories about what they did or what they did to us or for us or however you want to look at it, um, by subscribing to the Capital Digest newsletter under the Iowa Legislature tab at the Gazette.com. And Aaron has promised that he'll be transitioning from legislative coverage to political coverage as we approach the primary. Don't forget that the work of everyone you heard here today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, Sioux City Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Muscatine Journal, Council Bluffs, Daily non and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. The Olympics will take us out. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be on our podcast, send us a sound file and subscribe to On Iowa Politics. For Aaron, Todd, Sarah, Jared, and our producer Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening. Be well.